Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Hardcore Listing with me, Stuart Roy Whiffin, and my colleague on my left here, who is Christopher Glasson. Sup, my friend. Um, what's up, my friend? I'll tell you what's up, my friend. Um, it's not up. I'm Dan. I'm feeling Dan. Oh, um, buddy. Because it's the anniversary of the passing of the legendary Mr. David Bowie. Mr. David Bowie? Bowie Bowie. Are you a Bowie or a Bowie? Oh, I, I, I switch. All right. On my mood. That's your prerogative, mate. That's your prerogative. So what we decided to do is do a little Bowie special um, with someone this... <laughs> This story that we get, not only do we get a top five Bowie records from this uh, young man, but his story in the music industry is pretty special, isn't it? It's, it's a film waiting to happen. It really is. Um, it's it's the complete opposite of the whole kind of spandex rock ridiculous uh, excess stories, although there, there is some of that involved, I guess. Yeah. Um, excess, not so much spandex. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just... How they got where they got um, is is phenomenal, yeah. and 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 interestingly enough, I'm of an age where I was like I kind of knew them, I knew a few of them, so it's it, it was really interesting to hear how it actually happened because from being local lads, all of a sudden they were all over the press, and and then he explains how that happened, and it's clever. Yeah, it is really clever. So tell us, tell the fact, tell tell the listeners who uh, who it is. Um, yeah, it's Johnny Dean, who was a singer in um, Britpop Lads uh, Menswear, and uh, we went up to Johnny's house, and and he um, was very, very gracious and friendly, and had and a lovely little doggy yeah, as well, yeah. and uh, and met his missus, who was very uh, welcoming as well. So yeah. it was really, really cool. We settled into it pretty quickly. Really and, nice uh, evening. It was just a cracking podcast, and his love for Bowie is amazing, sure. and um, and you know it, it's hard to not love Bowie isn't it you know if you don't like one part of his career then you know I'm sure there's there's parts of his career that you do love because he's transcended so many different genres and and ideas and concepts and he's he's just the man he really is and and so it seemed fitting and it was Johnny's suggestion as well wasn't it that why don't you put it out um, on the anniversary so that's what we're doing so um, yeah we'll be putting both parts out today um Hope you enjoy. Let us know what your top five Bowie tracks would be. Yep. And um, just a quick shout out to 76, our producer, Brad yep. Acton, our camera guy, and um, and the rest of the Distraction Pieces Network. And go and check out our Patreon page. And um, 
Yeah, it should be out. Oh, yeah. it might be out. It might not be, but it will be very soon if it yeah. isn't out now. If it's not out, then um, it's coming soon. Yeah, subscribe to the podcast though. Definitely do that. Enjoy. See you later, bitches. Johnny Dean. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Hello, mate. Are you right? Very well. Good, good, good. Um, we've we've ventured out to Kingston this evening, haven't we? Indeed. Um, and uh, we finally got to do this one because we've been speaking to our guests for a couple of months, trying to get this sorted, and uh, and we got it sorted now. So um, let's just crack on with it, yeah. And uh, so. It's our pleasure to introduce our guest this evening, which is Johnny Dane. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, I good. think. Thank you for uh, <laughs> so inviting far. us into your home. It's oh. a very nice home as well. It's all right. Does the job right? Yeah, it's warm. Um, it's got a dog in it. I'm wait, waiting to hear your dog. Did you say yodel? Yeah, yodels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone hears that during this episode, yeah, it's, it's not, not Stuart. Not no, yeah. no animals are being hurt <laughs> during this broadcast. It's just my dog having a tantrum. <laughs> right, so, Johnny. Stu. Yeah? Can you speak directly into the microphone for me, please, buddy? Because you're going to go in and out. Of oh, right. sorry. Sorry. Right, mate. I do this quite a lot. Um, <laughs> so, Johnny, do you want to introduce what your top five uh, is going to be um, this evening? My top five is my top five David Bowie songs. Fantastic. Which Lovely job. Really, really hard to do, by the way. Okay. I've been, it's been bending my mind trying to narrow this down to five songs. And it's probably still not right, but it's the closest I can get. It's pretty decent. And these things tend to change, don't they? Yeah. Depending on the mood, the day or yeah, yeah the mood, year, yeah. definitely. We've even done top fives where we've come back to them later right, on, yeah. um, oh, even from listener okay. requests. And I, even over six months, I've been like, actually. Yeah. There's, there's a bit of a there's been a few movements in there. Definitely, we're we're, we're actually sitting in, in in Johnny's kitchen, and there's a just behind Johnny's and Chrissy's head is a fantastic. Oh wow! Um, picture of Bowie. Yeah, sparkles. Yeah, that's oh, does done, it? That's uh, done in um that um was it di- oh, diamond? Sparkles. It's got like glitter kind of yes, yeah. diamond crushed diamond, isn't it? That print. <laughs> Amazing. Got it from the Bowie is exhibition. Oh right. I remember that I was on. Um, and saw that and just, I was kind of in love with it, but it's a limited edition, um, so I couldn't get it because it was a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, I couldn't sort of justify it, so my girlfriend got it for my birthday. Oh, bless her. It's amazing. Really nice. And the, the, the dog that we haven't heard yodel yet, he's called? Ziggy. Excellent. Of course, Ziggy. Ziggy yeah. star dog? Um, yeah, because he was going be, <laughs> to be called Sailor. Yeah. But he was born five days before Bowie died. So we had to call him Ziggy, really. Yeah. Ziggy Stardog. His name's on his bed over there. Stiggy Duck, really? Yeah. So, was there any other kind of top fives that you considered before you chose Bowie songs? Absolutely not. No? no given given dog named Ziggy and that wicked post, I was kind of like, <laughs> yeah, it's def- this is definitely yeah, going to be yeah. Bowie. It's a definite theme. <laughs> so... What was your kind of, before we, we get into, uh, are your five in order from five to one, or is it just five that you really oh, like? I've, I've put it in order. Fair play. As far as I could, and it's really difficult. It again. is tough. 
But I mean, I've, done, I've, done a, I've gone over five because I've done sort of a nod You can to have honourable mentions. Well. You can do I've that. I've done mentions of yeah. stuff that didn't make it. That's cool. Um, but it might be, other than the number one, I think some of it might surprise people. Okay. Yeah. Should we surprise someone with number five and go, yeah, let's do, go let's straight, go straight in. in there? So yeah. Number five, yeah. Well, I don't know if this is actually surprising now. I've said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ashes to Ashes. Okay. Yeah. So that's that was 1980 on the Scary Monsters album. So, um, yeah. This would be the first song where, although I'd heard Bowie's songs growing up, I was born in 71, so it had been hard to avoid him. Um, this was the first song of his where I became aware of David Bowie properly oh. yeah. as an artist. Yeah. Um, so that's one reason why it's there. Was that part, partly to do with the video? Um, well, the video was, is, is, I mean, it's really iconic, isn't yeah. it? It was f- fact. It was the most expensive video ever made at the time. That's right. £250,000. Yeah. Which was yeah, really, then. really a lot of money mm. back then. And all the... The cast from that were all scene kids from, yeah, from Steve Blitz. Strange's... Yeah, Blitz. Uh, Blitz. Blitz kids, yeah. Blitz, yeah. Um, yeah. Steve Strange is in the video. That's yeah. right, yeah. And I think if you read... I've read Boy George's book, and I think there was a, a big thing that he wasn't in the video. Yeah, was, well, can you imagine? He was really he was pissed that he wasn't in that huge video. Huge Bowie fan. Yeah. Blanked. Yeah. Yeah. For Steve Strange. Oh, uh, well, there you go. That's how it is. Would that have come into your top five, Stu? Ashes to Ashes. No, <laughs> no. Um, I, I love it, but it's it, it, it wouldn't. Uh... It, has, it has a special meaning for me as well. Apart from that, there's a personal reason why I put it there. Okay. Um, Do you want to talk about yeah, that? Yeah, let's hear it. Because um, I, I kind of when I when I was back in the the band I was in, um, and we used to go out touring, and you'd be on the road for days in this shitty little. Well, ours weren't shitty, but like a little tour bus or whatever. Yeah. And they were quite nice, but, you know, after a while they start to stink. You're, you're off your head all the time. Yeah. There's not much room. You're in yeah. each other's pockets and you, you do go mental. Um, you know, you go tour crazy. And uh, one of the ways I used to sort of calm my da- myself down was listening to Bowie, which I do quite a lot on my little CD player, put- yeah. portable CD nice. players back then. And... Uh, and it would work. And two songs that I really identified with were, were um, uh, Space Oddity. Yeah. Because I suddenly, in my coke-fueled haze and madness at the time, thought I knew exactly what that song was really about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you get that? Yeah. I know what this song is really yeah. you're, about. You're inside it. Um, yeah, talking I, straight I was living you, it. Yeah. And, and it was the idea of I was floating around in a tin can lost. Right. Being yeah. catapulted into stardom, yeah, and that's what I started to feel that the song was really about, rather than just the mission to Mars, yeah. which was what he was. Yeah, you know, wasn't it something like that? Or the no, it's the uh, landing on the moon. That's stuff, right, yeah. wasn't it? That's it, yeah. Um, I, and I, I, I read that this other meaning into it that it was really about this this sort of character getting catapulted out there and be, not being able to deal with the fame and getting lost. Yeah. Um, so he wrote it for Johnny Dean and, and <laughs> yeah, 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 right. But, but there's that song, and then the return of Major Tom with Ashes to Ashes, yeah, yeah. which I also kind of used to play after gigs a lot um, because it, 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 it for Bowie, I think Bowie said it was about him purging the seventies. It was like a tombstone on mm-hmm. the seventies right. that song and saying, you know, 
deaf to all the mad drugs and the cocaine and the mad times because he did go insane. Yeah. He did go completely bananas. Yeah. And, and that was his, like, you know, that's all gone. Let's start this new decade. Yeah. And it also kind of ushered in a lot of things like that. The sound is very new romantic. The Definitely. synthesizers, it's like he's acknowledging that scene and yeah. tipping his hat to it and then getting them in the video as yeah. well. And, and also kind of saying, I invented you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and like, well, Steve Strange's club was, was Heroes as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Like Club for Heroes. And, but I think uh, he's always done that with every scene though, hasn't he? He's always kind of tipped his hat to it. It's, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And, he's, and, and trace anything back and there's going to always be some kind of Bowie it's, influence. It's like, in. it's like some kind of chameleon or something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he is, you know, I think that's um, a... Yeah. He, but that, that song, um, that, that song, there's like the lines about how he wants to stay clean tonight, right. but instead it sounds like he's actually got a bit wrecked yeah. and that he's really actually scared of this character, Major Tom, coming back yeah. into his life and sort of emerging. Yeah. And it's kind of got that feel to it. And, and I, so I kind of had, they were kind of like bookends to my touring experience, those two songs. Um, and Ashes to Ashes because of the, you know, I don't know, the melancholy feel of it. I mean, it's really melancholy. Yeah. It's really, really quite sad, even though it's kind of funky. Mm -hmm. It's really yeah, sad. Yeah, it it's has kind of that. It's a strange definitely. mix. It's um, got a richness to it that is I melancholy, think, yeah. definitely. That, that's why I love it so much, because it, it just, and it reminds me of those times, and it reminds mm. me why you shouldn't take lots of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so going back before the drugs, and you, 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 know, you said that that was like you're kind of, when you got Bowie, in, in, in sort of 1980. Mm. So going through school and stuff like that, which you was at that time, you know, had you already kind of decided that you didn't want to be what a lot of other lads wanted to be? Was you already kind of feeling that you were going to take a more creative? And yeah, I was always different anyway. I've got uh, Asperger's syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, so I was very aware that my thought processes were very, very different to... Um, what we call neurotypical people. Mm -hmm. um, but I just thought I was weird. Uh, because you know? going back then, Asperger's wasn't a... No one knew what it was. Exactly, no. yeah. You were either full-blown autistic or nothing. You were, yeah. you were, or, or difficult. Yeah. A difficult child or, when or did a quiet you know, child. When did you know yourself then, Johnny? When did you have the tests and I, stuff? I, like? I kind of knew from the age of seven that I was different. Yeah. I just didn't have the name for it. Yeah. Um, but um, around... Year 2000, I started to find out about Asperger's. There's a book, The Curious, Curious Incident yeah. of the Dog in the yeah. Nighttime. And things like that kind of turned me on to, to it. And I was reading it saying, this is like, this is me. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of at my wit's end <laughs> wow. a bit later on. Yeah. I had a huge breakdown because I was trying to be normal in a world where I didn't quite fit. Mm -hmm. And so I had this huge breakdown and thought enough's enough. And I sort of started to go after getting a diagnosis, which I had to really go for because they're, it's not easy. They can be, it can be quite obstructive. Right. In my experience it was. And I think in a lot of other people's experiences, even with kids, that it can be quite a difficult process to get. get I think it can be easily marginalised when you go to the doctors and, 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 yeah. and try and explain things. Because I don't think there's, I mean, mental health and, and whatnot and, and, and different, um, the mental health problems we have, I've always existed. The awareness is better now, but yeah. definitely with GPs, it's not like they're, they're, they're experts in every field. And yeah. a lot of the time it can, it can be um, forgotten about or played down or indeed yeah. they don't know what to do and they try and fit it in a, something that they're already 
familiar with. My experience with. was they didn't really understand what it was. Right. But I think things have changed. They've people do now. There's in this area. There's a, a clinical psychologist who's gone around to the various GPs in this area and sits them down and tries to train them and teach them about what it is and how, how to deal with someone who might think they're autistic. Um, because, you know, just 10 years ago, you'd be brushed off. Yeah. yeah. If you went in, you know, don't be silly. So you can tie your own shoelaces, you know. You're not autistic. Yeah. So as a, as a kid in sort of secondary school, which is a testing time for any kid anyway, yeah. to kind of feel different, did you feel kind of... Did, did it drive you in any way to kind of pursue the things that you thought? Yeah, I mean, I guess that I started to g get a taste for weirder things um, that some people thought, or like my parents would think things I liked were weird. They'd just okay. say, that's weird, or this person's weird. And I was, I mean, Exa I What do you mean by that? Examples being... Um, well, I'd get uh, huge sort of um, obsessions, which is a very autistic thing, mm. with, with certain things, especially musically. Mm -hmm. um, I was a very much a pop kid when I was at school. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't really... I wasn't born with a Smiths T-shirt on. Yeah. Mm. Um, I was into a lot of pop stuff. I read Smash Hits. I, I loved it. Um, and Bowie was part of that, because yeah. he was a... Mm. That was his big pop period. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of got these obsessions with characters like Michael Jackson was one. Um, and it got to the point where every single part of my bedroom was covered with a picture of him, even, no matter how small that I would have cut out of the newspaper, yeah. even the ceiling. And my dad just thought that was weird. Yeah, you know, Proper, Properly like, like ceiling to yeah, floor. Yeah, yeah, ceiling to floor. Like his face everywhere. Michael Jackson, yeah. Like probably like 300 faces <laughs> it of was, Michael Jackson. It was, a, it was a severe problem. Yeah. It was a terrible problem. I mean, when they probably had to take all that down, the amount of blue tick. Yeah, <laughs> rip blue tack rips yeah. in the yeah. wallpaper yeah. must have been horrific. Must so, have been did you want to be a pop star? Then did you want to be like Michael Jackson? Did you? Yeah, you yeah, know? definitely. Okay. Most definitely. I didn't think it was possible, but you know that's something I always kind of wanted to be. What was um, his first record that you would have been exposed to then? Was that Thriller? Off or? the wall. Off the wall. Yeah, off the wall. Mm. Definitely. I still to this day think, don't stop till you get enough. Mm. It's, it's just, incredible. It's yeah. just perfection. It's the most infectious sound to make you move and mm. the, the the actual production on those records yeah. is insanely good played. yeah it's like, so just good them little which is apparently from the if you listen to the um the bonus disc where it's got yeah. the studio sessions the little kind of ding -a -ding -a -ding -a -ding, that's janet yeah yeah like, oh, really? Jackson, yeah, yeah. yeah playing the bottles like, amazing uh, um but a lot of people have it, Michael Jackson. Uh, he he did he opened he was one of my first people I ever listened to. So I, I mean mine was bad. That was when that came yeah. out and I was like maybe nine. And I had a Walkman and I remember my whole trip to the Isle of Wight just driving around was with that in my ears and he that was, opened me up the, to the pop world. He was I think the perfect pop star. I mm. mean people can slate him or say whatever they want, but he was and mm. it's incredible. His at least three albums that he did. There's at least three. I mean, I'm not sure about all the rest, mm. but there's three albums that I'd say are absolutely amazing. Totally Very agree good. With you. Absolute, totally agree with you. absolute stone cold classics. That's, that's pop. Yeah. Just nailed. You yeah. Know. I mean, thrillers, incredible. Mm. Mm. I mean, when you see the amount of different genres he packed in there as well, yeah. which yeah. wasn't really done at that time mm. with artists, they didn't really do that. But he was getting some heavy metal guitarist in to play on the stuff. There yeah. was like a song about kids on the street and yeah. stuff. And, just incredible. So how did that manifest itself into use of... How old was you when you thought, right, I want to be in a band? 
Had you learned instruments bands, or anything by bands. then, or did when, you when want to? I, when I decided, like a band over over pop star was probably when I was, you know, a teenager, and I started going to uh, college, Southend Tech. Yeah. Um, and started to get into stuff that wasn't so pop. You know, you start to hear it's different stuff when you go there, and kids get a bit snottier and and uh, more difficult and more morbid and <laughs> moany, and they want to listen to depressing music and you get it's great that. though isn't it because at that yeah. age it's yeah. just the best you, yeah. you think that nobody understands it completely no. completely <laughs> yeah so you um, get exposed to so much at college don't you and w- musically yeah so I imagine at, the, at that age in at that point it was Smith's Cure kind of well no because I kind of just before that had this really weird brief hip hop phase okay straight out of school so what was that then? De La Soul? Or De La Soul was yeah. the one then. De La Soul, uh, Big Daddy Kane, yep. BDP, people yep. like that. Did you see BDP at the toothbrush? No, I didn't. Mm. No. But yeah, Eric B and Rakim. Yep. All that. Amazing. That, yeah. The, the, the ones who changed the way hip-hop went, completely. they completely changed yeah. the game. Um, so that was the kind of thing. And it was really big then. And you'd see kids, white kids walking along... South End High Street wearing the African Bambata yeah, Bamb- Bamb- medallions. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, what, rock. Troop, what, troop what trainers. What's going on there? Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was, really it was weird. weird. Like, we saw Big Daddy Kane not that long ago, and he was just as good. Yeah, he, he was same. insane. He was so good. So, I take it you was you at this point thinking, right? I'm now going to MC for a, a hip hop <laughs> band. <laughs> well, no, because it that was last? also <laughs> it was so many things happening then. Yeah. We, we forget about that now because it doesn't really happen so much but back then you had that that thing going on and you had the rave scene starting in around becoming big in 88 just massive in Essex of course yeah. home of like, yeah. pirate radio so I, and rave culture I actually culture. could not avoid that mm. so I mm. left school in 88 I was exactly the right age to walk into sax yep. yeah. in a blazer yeah. very 80s blazer and a tie and they were having an acid night <laughs> no. and there's all these all these all these People in there absolutely fucked out of their minds. Or no, I don't know, probably acid. Yeah. Uh, you know, to the to this stuff, I just like what in, what the yeah. fuck is that? And you walked in looking like Wixie, uh, sort of bass machine. You know, yeah. squelchy noises. I walked in there looking like Johnny Eight's jazz. <laughs> <laughs> and I was with this other guy, and I, who at the time called Scott, and he just looked at me and I looked at him. He took his tie off and, and wrapped it around his head like a bandana. <laughs> Decent move. That's yeah, a good move. I just started doing the race the roof dance. Uh, and that, that kind of changed me quite quite a lot. That opened my eyes because I was 16. So yeah. that was, we're going to get a yodel. You liked Acid House, did you? Yeah. yeah. So... It, it it was and 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 and, and of course what well, I was going to finish that that bled into indie at yeah. the time the club scene the hacienda thing that, and it, it all the Manchester started thing. to merge yeah. the indie clubs the football hooligans yep. started taking ecstasy going right. to the clubs and getting loved up and listening to funky dance music house music mm. and uh, it, it changed everything well, it, changed it, it football, massively influenced <laughs> guitar music didn't it yeah, as well yeah, you yeah. know like, well, yeah that's Happy Mondays yeah weather all got involved and yeah and, and everything yeah it was uh, it was it's a really exciting time it like, was you know, I and, think it really was and yeah. I don't think anything since has ever kind of it's, it's really weird when people say like oh the 80s were like a bit shit oh, I, I just think no I think yeah. 80s mm. you got the best pop music that was ever mm. made in the 80s and I think you got 
the evolution of house music, the evolution of hip hop. All happening now. You know, and, mm. and, and, and indie music, you know, like things. Yeah. You know, C86. Completely, yeah. yeah, stuff like that. And Goff. Yeah. It's all coming out. Yeah. Post punk yeah. through the 80s. Completely. Um, it just went a bit wrong at the very end. And then everyone got into, you know, house. Yeah. The charts went a bit wrong, I think, right at the end of the 80s. So. I couldn't tell you anything that was actually in the charts. <laughs> well, it was around so like in the Waterman, wasn't it? Yeah. That, that's, that kind of blew up in 88, 89, it, yeah, didn't it? And it was it? just and, and that it was fucking yeah. drum machine, so an, an intro thing. Yeah. Fuck those guys. But you know what, right? Of, of all them... Like, I love them, really. <laughs> I, heard a, I heard a pop record the other day that I hadn't heard for, for years. Right? I heard The Harder I Try by Brother Beyond, right? Yeah, that's not too bad. If you listen to it, it's pure Northern Soul. Yeah. And there's going to be well, he, he people to listening to this that like Northern Soul are probably going to lynch me. I think he me. was into that. He was. Yeah, yeah. he was. He was he, I think he DJed at one of the big yeah, Northern yeah. Soul clubs, didn't yeah. he? Waterman. Yeah. 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 But um, it's a really good pop tune. But uh, I think I could maybe put up with some Rick Astley actually now. Yeah? Yeah. Did you see the thing that went viral maybe. a little while ago where he was on stage with the Foo Fighters? No, that sounds yeah. weird. That's really strange, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? it's pretty strange. Someone done a mashup years ago of Never Gonna Give You Up over Teen Spirit. That's it, yeah. And he walked out on stage at a Foo Fighters show in Wembley or something like that and performed... Yeah, never well, going to give you up. Props to him. Really. <laughs> it was quite That's pretty su- amazing. It was quite surreal. <clears throat> There's yeah. that. There was that phase in the like mid to noughties, um where you'd click on a, a link to YouTube and you think, oh, it's going to be something exciting, and then obviously it just changes to never going to give you up. Basically, yeah. You go, like, oh, I can't wait to see this, and then it's fucking Rick Astley dancing. Oh, and just done it. Gotcha. Yeah, these good little shuffles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You oh, just yeah. three men sitting around a table doing Bless a Rick him. Astley shuffle there that you can't see. <laughs> Bless him. Right, well, look, I want to go back to the formation of the band and, and, and where it went um, in a bit, but should we... Let's have a number four. get another Bowie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? Um, okay, number four. Ooh. Moon Age Daydream. So, see, that would be in my five. Mm. Uh, 1971. Um, originally... Bowie wrote this for Arnold Corns, which was like a little different band before different the, band, a yep. little side project he had, which had his mate Frankie Beretti yep. fronting it, even though he wasn't actually singing. I think it was a Millie Vanilli deal. Oh, really? And it was actually Bowie singing. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he had very limited input because he was—he used to make the dresses Bowie wore. Frankie Beretti, you know, he wore the dresses on yep. the front cover of The Man Who Sold the World. Yeah. He made those and he made the Life in Mars suit and stuff. He was his tailor. Really? But he was, there's all, some people say they were lovers on and off and yeah. stuff like that because, you know, Bowie was, he, he was all over the Played place. around. Yeah. He loved yeah. it. Yeah. He loved it all. Um, but yeah, that was, for, that was in 1971. He wrote that for that band. And, and have you ever heard it? No, I haven't, it, no. It's, it's something to behold. I could put it on now. Okay. Let's have it. We can have like, yeah, let's have 30 seconds. If you love this song, because I love this song. Yeah. You'll you might be a bit slack-jawed. Okay. Listening to this, because it is, it's fucking terrible. Seriously. Where can I find it? Can I find it on here? I had to, I found it on YouTube the other day, actually. So you might have to edit in my... That's fine. And so this is, this was written apparently by, about um, a kind of alien... Messiah. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Do you know what? I'm not sure I'm going to be able to. Yeah, I can. that's cool. I that's can cool. We it. can we can drop a little bit. Yeah, we do. Yeah, it's, 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 it's. I guarantee you won't believe it. It's terrible. I mean, it is Bowie singing, but it is. He changed the lyrics later on. He changed a lot of it. Yeah. The, the bones is there. It's like a really, really appalling shambolic demo, and yet he did release it with with as that um, with Arnold Corns, and it is. I mean, the singing even. I mean, Bowie's. Along with Scott Walker, my favourite singer ever, yeah. and his uh, Bowie, I would say his delivery is on point all the time. His vocal delivery mm-hmm. is there's no one as good, I don't think, uh-huh. since or before. He's so good at it. Um, you, you don't even realise how good he is at doing it. Um, and it's shit, it's shit in the song. It <laughs> I is, don't think it I want to hear like it. <laughs> sounds like he is the actual lyrics squawking like a like a pink monkey bird. Yeah. It actually sounds like he is because you know that was gay gay slang at the yeah, time yeah, for yeah, taking yeah. having anal sex, yeah. and it sounds like he is having anal sex <laughs> or singing. It is unbelievable. <laughs> it's I'm really gonna, I'm gonna leave that drop a bit. Well alone. So oh, I was going to listen. So, so it's quite surprising that a year later or so yeah. he revisited it, yeah. and I think he must have thought I can do I, I can yeah. do this yeah. a hell of a lot better. And of then he had the spiders. He's got Mick Ronson. Yeah, of course. Um, and it's just un. This Guitar sound is incredible track. on that. But yeah, it's just, it, it is just, it reminds me of if, if he was like some kind of, well, I wrote it down actually, messianic rock and roll bisexual from outer space who's just come to save right. the human race. <laughs> that even rhymed. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's like he's, you know, he's, he's uh, preaching to this audience in some kind of huge cathedral on that song. You know, it's just incredible. It's, I love uh, it. That will probably be two on my, on my top five. Two, nice. Oh, wow. yeah, I'm a bit of a. And, and also, I think it's got my the, the best guitar solo on it. One of the best guitar solos ever. Oh end. really? I love that guitar mm-hmm. solo. Um, it's so restrained, and yet it, it, it's it's like an orgasm if you hear it. It's mm-hmm. like it's really building yeah. up, and then the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just oh man, it, it's so it's not it's not technically amazing, or maybe yeah. it is because it's so restrained, but. Every time I hear it, I get goosebumps. Yeah. It's just incredible. It hasn't got to be technical to be fucking no, amazing, has it? it's just so right. right. It's yeah. just perfect. Because the, there's the strings come in then and everything yeah. as well. It's a really and great he, string. And he arranged most of the strings and that, didn't he, Bowie? Oh, no, that was Bowie, yeah. Mm. And it is so good. Mm. He's, so, he's a wanker, wasn't he, Bowie, actually? Yeah, he was just... Um, talented wanker. Silly yeah. talented. Unbelievable. It's a full package in everything, wasn't Unbelievable. it? Unbelievable. Right to the end. Uh, Black Star's pretty insane. Yeah. And it, I think, um, did that get a special mention for you? That did does. It in? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> it does, maybe. I okay. just kind of give it, give it away and then say maybe. Okay. So, oh, Rick Wakeman on piano. Oh, yes. Um, Was he on piano on that? And did others, did and... Did and did um, ah... He was on. Oh, I tell you what. He was on another one of your lists. So we'll get, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll get onto that one. Funnily enough, the National Autistic Society have been trying to put me in touch with Rick Wakeman, but nothing ever comes of it. So if Rick, you're listening to this, yes, I would like to do a performance with you, uh, but they just don't seem to be sorting it out. Um, it would be really cool, and I'd absolutely blow my load. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's like they actually said to me, to me, oh, would you like to meet Rick Wakeman and maybe do something with him? I'm like, what? No, no, me, no, not that, not that fucky yeah. fucker. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Imagine that. I'd be mental. It would be insane. I wouldn't be able to do it, but it's a nice idea, isn't it? <laughs> do it, do it. So, 
so you've kind of you left school and and then and then what happened there? Did you did you kind of get a job or did you just want to be a, a kind of a <laughs> pop star and go to college and, and uh, just? Well, I went straight to college. Now uh, I worked in Asda's. This is in, in Southend. Yeah, in Shubinas. Yeah. Um, to pay for my pens and things. Um, I was doing a graphic design course, which was at the time quite an expensive thing, probably still is to do. Mm-hmm. So I had to have the money to buy my rotring pens and stuff um, from that little shop uh, across from Golden Disc. That's the one. The art shop. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, a job hadn't really entered my mind. I didn't really know what. I, who does? You know, I thought maybe I would be okay at doing graphic design. Um, but you've you got to think as well then, for me, when I left school, like all of my mates straight away went to the city and yeah. wanted to earn 20 grand being city boys and and that was it. And and that certainly didn't bank, appeal to me. People, I think loads of people I know went to work for banks. Yeah. yeah. It's, a very, it's a very common thing for like South Essex, isn't it? All my mates were the same. That, that train line goes straight into the, the golden square mile, don't, doesn't it? And, you know... So I'd say yeah, fifty percent of my mates went straight into straight to the city. Yeah, fifty percent sign on. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they did when they did when I was that age because it was right at that huge crash. Yeah, right. Yeah, started of course to happen it was. around that point. Uh, you know, Thatcher's downfall. Yep. Started to she started to unravel when I was at college. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't a good time for employment, basically, if you were young. It was it was pretty dark, I think, if you were young yeah. then. Which why what I think was so uh, attractive about things like dance and raves and stuff. It was a total escape Completely. from how, sh- how basically how shit it was for and young people. And it was people. DIY. It yeah, was yeah. it was you know, it was let's take it to the fields and, and, and what and did they do? They had to shut the criminal it down. justice they act shut and, it down. and controlled yeah. it. They yeah. shut it down. They we've seen that as promoters, even in recessions you don't um People still want to go out and have fun and forget about their worries. Yeah. So other things affect the nightclub trade. Yeah. Technology does. Things yeah. like Tinder do. Sounds weird, but it does. Yeah. But um, recession doesn't. So even at that time, probably, you know, with, you know, as you say, going all tits up I with factories. I don't think Tinder does sound weird. I mean, why go through the whole going, going to a club, out. chatting up someone, putting all that effort in when you can just swipe? Swipe yeah. right and left. I, I, I've, I've done it. I've, I've been there. And it doesn't really replace... Meeting someone and and, yeah, but and, uh, and ultimately you still got to, to face. look someone in the eye you, and and have you written a little review? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> top five Tinder dates, <laughs> <laughs> top five Tinder nightmares. But what we do, speaking of technology, um, doesn't replace getting a drink thrown in your face. Completely, no. completely. Oh, we got a cat. Hello, you. Yeah, this is Vinny. Hello, Vinny. What's up, Vinny? Vinny's very old and very um, very beautiful. He's mean. He's become mean in his old age. He's been nice, but he's... What we'll do as well is we'll... Um, <laughs> um, Vinny's trying to get on the mic as well. Um, so what we do is we'll put a Spotify playlist together on the hardcore listening thing and we'll put all sure. Johnny's songs in there and, and I'm sure we'll discuss other bands and music throughout the duration of this, so we'll, we'll drop some of them in there as well so you can go and listen to everything we're talking about. Yeah. So had you, can you remember writing your first song? I, I can, yes. Because, and this is really strange, the first thing I wrote lyrically that then became an actual song, I wrote lyrically much earlier than when it, than becoming, than when it, you know, its final sort of transformation into a song. Um, and they were the lyrics to Daydreamer. Oh, really? Um, so they were the, I mean, I'd written other stuff, but they were the first things that actually turned into a proper song and then a hit. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
that's got to be quite rare for people. Well, to I sort of like put I, and put that's a good story. I was basically, this is when I kind of, because I did a BTEC and then I went on to do a HND in Croydon. In okay. the year. Um, there's a art college there that I heard Malcolm McLaren went to and David Bowie went to before he dropped out. Good enough for them. Um, and he did mm. the same course, a graphic design course there, apparently, before dropping out and going to work for some firms in the, in town. Okay. I think that's what he did. It's how he started off, Bowie, money-wise, anyway, I think. You have to look at that, check, check that out. But uh, what was I saying? Holy shit. First so you wrote, you wrote Daydreamer. Oh, right, yeah. So I was at college in Croydon, which is a really strange place, Croydon. It's a new town. Yeah. So it's got like it's the same as every new town in in, in dotted in, around the M25 in the whole basically. of this country. Yeah. Um. It's a bit, it's a bit cold. It's a bit strange. It's, it's not very. I don't. It's just not very. I mean, apologies to Croydon, but it's not an attractive place. Yeah. It's like a the real, architecture kind of dates, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 It's it's seventies. Yeah. Kind of sixties, brutalist, and there's that big fifty p building there as well. You know, oh, it's, it's just not very nice and there's a trams there and which someone got killed the other day actually really run over by one of those trams i always forget that croydon's got trams yeah mm. um it's a weird place um so i kind of had to insulate myself against all that weirdness and the fact that i was away from home for the first time ever by taking loads of acid it's a good, um, it's a, it's I thought that was the best idea ever, yeah, um, yeah. and I ended up doing that more than actually probably going to college. Um, it takes a fair amount. It does take yeah. up a lot of time. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? And it's quite, it's quite, when is it going to stop? Surprise, surprisingly cheap. On my first I trip, I was, I was going for about 16 it's, hours. It's the perfect like, student wow. drug, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. It's, it goes on for a very, very long time. <laughs> and it's like, back then it was about three pounds, if that. Yeah. yeah. That's the price of a yeah. pint. Yeah. Back then, yeah. sixteen hours of drunkenness. Yeah, I remember. I remember coming really sort of coming to my senses in a field and calling my boss and like, Tony, I'm not going to be able to make it in today. He said, Why is that? I'm in the field. I've been taking acid. He said, You you will be in this off. You'll be in it. Was a close like a pulp song. It really does, doesn't it? I was just thinking that as you were saying it. Um, but yeah, uh, so I took lots of acid and one. I used to take it on my own. That's how I, how much I got into that's, it. I yeah, just that's hardcore into it and just old. take it. Go into the ship pub. This, so if police are listening, I doubt this still happens there. I don't want you to close <laughs> the ship down. This was a long, long time ago. <laughs> and they've probably sorted their act out by now. And I'd go in there and I'd get my acid and then I'd go just go home and take it and see what happened. Yeah. And on one night in particular, I just got this scrapbook. I had big purple pages, like those 70s scrapbooks yep, with yep. the big, you know, that yep. purple colours. Mm-hmm. and very vivid in my memory. Yeah, thick um, paper. So it must have been a like, really old yeah. one that was just I found somewhere, and I just started writing it, writing down almost kind of what I was feeling and what was going on in my head, and that became Daydreamer. And if you listen to it now, you'll see that it slowly shifting, gently drifting in right. your arms yeah, and quietly yeah, yeah. breathing. It's completely about tripping your tits off, but at the same time. You know, you can get these dark thoughts sometimes mm. that will come in when you're tripping and you totally. want to fight them. I'd started to think about, oh, I'm going to write about murdering someone. So there's mm. the draggy, pull you out or drag yep. you under thing. So it's kind of like this song about someone on LSD killing people. And that's that was the first song. And that was the hit. Um, that's really dark, isn't it? <laughs> and that became an indie dance floor classic. I'm sure you hear that still. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. We did, we, yep. did a, we did a uh, top five with Hugo, didn't we? White from the Maccabees. And he did uh, top five songs where everyone thinks they know the meaning, but they're about something else. Okay. And it's ridiculous how many records yeah. are out there where yeah. actually you think yeah. it's like this lighthearted meaning, but really it's yeah, right. it's the, yeah. it's of the most dark, the darkest places. Was Daydreamer, was your, was your video? I, I haven't seen a video for a long time. Is it quite trippy? Yeah. How was that shot? It was done by Walter Stern, who did a lot of the Prodigy videos back then. In the right. 90s. What, like the, a, the, the, the yeah, one all the original the rave ones, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and he made that. Uh, and he just, I guess, Walter was quite interesting. I think he knew that our record label at the time wanted to really push us as a shiny pop band. And he kind of wanted to... Kind of, he kind of wanted to piss on that a bit. Wanted well, to tarnish that look. Wanted to, yeah. to look a bit darker. He had a darker vision, and and I can imagine if they'd done a more poppier video for that song. I don't know if it would have yeah. really worked. Maybe it would have. I think it was. It's know, very influenced by the Cure. I think. Yeah. That video. I, I think like it was safe to say you you could tell that they were definitely trying to market you as, yeah. as, as <laughs> you know you were all young, good-looking lads. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And so it I was. Mean, it's embarrassing, actually. Like, but, <laughs> you know, it's being young and. And, and kind of someone told me they had a conversation at that record company when we first signed whether or not our guitarist Simon should keep his nose ringing or not <laughs> that actually happened and really? They, yeah they actually gave time to that that's um, mad but you, got, you guys didn't do bad, did you? Like, you had, like, quite a decent publishing and, and all that. Yeah, so, I mean, did, were people you know, sort of, like, when they commit with you financially like that, do they sort of start trying to push you around in terms of artistic direction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look. yeah you get accounts turning up to meetings where you're talking about your the way you're going, direction-wise, what you're, the songs you're writing. Right. You know, you'll, you'll start to notice there will be someone from accounts there. <laughs> and you will start to think, what the... F- why is that guy here? Why is he here? Has he just come to have a nice meal? But no, no, of course not. He's coming to have a look and see whether you're off your head enough to continue and whether he should write you off as a tax loss. Yes, <laughs> you're, whether or not you're financially you know viable. I mean? We're talking about that. It's, it's that, especially then. And imagine what it the must 90s, be like now. I've seen the films mm. and the books that have been written about yeah. that period. Mm. It, was, it was cutthroat. So... I mean, it was quite interesting. I'm sure you've gone through this story hundreds and hundreds of times, Johnny, but um, 
Select was a massive magazine, wasn't it? It was it like was, it, yeah, it was, it was and it was fucking one. great as well. And like because you got your little posters, like smash it's in the middle. Yep. And so I remember literally having my walls were covered, not quite as many as you had of Michael Jackson. I was calling but student wallpaper. It was, yeah. it was, and <laughs> like you know, you just oh, I've got a picture of Polly Harvey this week or yeah. Michael Stipe, and, it was and they were always really nice pictures. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's basically smash hits for people who grew up for, with smash hits. Definitely, that's, that's uh, what you, I think. you could not have described that any yeah. better. And and you, I remember opening it, and there was a double page spread of this kind of new mod revival, <laughs> and, <laughs> and 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 I remember thinking, oh my god, that's was Todd in that photo? Yeah. So Todd was someone that was your first drummer, I believe. Yeah, for one rehearsal, I think. Yeah, yeah. who was from? Who went to my <laughs> school? But then. There was also a guy that used to come with a pink toothbrush mm. that had long red hair or long brown hair with red streaks in the front. It was in this kind of trashy kind of band called Smear. And I was like, I think that's Chris. <laughs> and like, he's now looks like some kind of ace face. Like, mm-hmm. I just thought he looked like he was a farmer in that picture. Like, I can't even son. remember he's got, like, what a tweed he looked jacket like. On and stuff, but and uh, I just remember thinking, Chris, that guy from South End. Yeah, yeah. And like, but I, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember meeting you um, over the years through the, the pink yeah, toothbrush. I, I used to. I was very. I used to keep out of people's way a lot. I yeah. Because of certain things and obvious reasons, I used to just find people hard to get along with. So I just used. To, I mean, I was there. I used to go there a lot. But I'd just go and sit in the corner or on the stage. Yeah. And just drink quietly yeah. and talk to people quietly. I wasn't big for. You know, I, was, I guess I was plotting. <laughs> I was thinking, trying to plot a way of escaping. Because Chris wasn't shy. Um, he was a little bit, but he wasn't. He right. was awkward, Chris. Yeah. He was very awkward. He, he changed dramatically when he got when the band started to do well. He, he but you become, would. He'd he become quite a, taking nothing away from yourself as the front man. The the, the music press seemed to. Oh, they, yeah. Well, I mean, they loved him. Yeah. He was. He was cocky. He was arrogant. He was seventeen years old. Um, seventeen. Yeah, he was very good looking. Uh, you know, they, they, he was made for that that kind of yeah thing that you know like like something like smash hits. Yeah, yeah. He was made for that audience. Yeah. and that was his audience. But that was the, the the kind of weirdly, and this was a total mistake. Genius about menswear is each one of us appealed to a different type of person right. yeah and that was totally that wasn't in any way none of it was contrived none of it it was yeah. all completely accidental but i always thought that was quite weird how each of us seemed to you know i was like the brooding little arty one you was broody spice yeah. <laughs> <laughs> matt was like the the catalog model yeah the, the one you could take home to your mum. yeah yeah he was uh, quite chiseled wasn't he stuart like. was your stoner yeah um simon was the muso yeah, and Chris was the key one. It was, you know, that's why when I did that, that we were on the cover of um, cover of Select. I actually said, you know, we're the indie take that. Yeah, because of this, right. and I said, and we're not. I'm not ashamed of that. Yeah. yeah, I always came into this wanting to do pop tunes, you know, which was completely against what was going on at the time. Yeah. Mm. you didn't say that kind no. of thing. You didn't. Right. You didn't talk about how much you loved Duran Duran growing up or Japan. You never mentioned yeah. Japan. You, that was a you, you might as well have just done a shit in the journalist's <laughs> yeah. face seriously every time I did that the looks I would get but you know they were they, Japan are amazing yeah. yeah musically 
So what was you, did you have to talk about the kinks and yeah, like, just, and, you, you know, know they, they, they would just tailor things to make us look a certain way, the Brits. Mm. You know, we could have, we could have sat there and, and given the most lucid interview on the history of 1960s beat music. And they would have just said, oh, Johnny does a hiccup and Chris drinks some coke and spills it and everyone falls over a dog. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it was a bit frustrating. So, but, yeah, that's and, what I was going to say. And over time, it's been kind of reassessed. It's gone through this strange way that people don't, aren't looking at it the way they were when it was actually happening. There's been a lot of revisionism. Right. I mean, if you're around then and you read articles about it now, it's like, that's not quite what, what yeah. it was like. You know, it's kind of weird. But, but it, it happened so quick, didn't it? Too quickly. Like, because too quickly. I remember seeing that, that article mm. about this, this kind of band. That, did the band exist at that point? No. Right. And the name existed. Right. Uh, the idea existed. Me, me, Stuart and Chris. Had you, not, had you thrown it out? Had you mentioned that it was, you were gonna ha- it was gonna happen we, we, and then it we, actually, we, we, and then we you did, were like, we, okay, we said we it. We did exactly what Bowie did. Uh, we, we went out and acted like stars yeah. and then people treat you like stars. Yeah. We actually, that it sounds absolutely horrific and yeah. I just can't believe I said that. <laughs> I feel like I can't. You yeah. were sit- well, how old was you? You were young, man. <laughs> I was 22 at right. that point and so Chris was 16 at yeah. that point. So the average age is, I don't know, I'm actually, for yeah. an autistic, I'm really shit with numbers. <laughs> so... It, we were young, we right. were very young, but yeah, we had an idea. Me and me and Stuart got drunk on the uh, dance floor at Blow Up, which was like a very prestigious club at the time. From and from, still a, is from now. an ex Pink Toothbrush DJ. Where's, where's, Blo- yeah. where's Blow Up then? Yeah, right, Paul Tunkin. Paul Tunkin, yeah. It was. Uh, it's changed places now, but it used to be a little tiny gay gay pub upstairs called the Laurel Tree in Camden on Bayham oh, okay, Street. Right. It moved to the. Did it go to the Wag? Yeah, it went to. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, it got bigger and bigger. Yeah. And I think it's still, still. It is. It yeah. is. But yeah, um, we were drunk in there and being silly. We were young, and we just Stuart just went to me. I want to be in a band with you, you know. And I said I can't play anything. He said, Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. I, we'll just do it. You know, it's kind of like those idiots, those bros, bros who go and do the, the festivals now. Yeah. Let's just let's just go and do it and be legends. Yeah, it's never a good idea because it always goes wrong. And yet it did in our case. It really did. <laughs> it was good fun though, right? Yeah, it's it a was. ride. I mean, it was. It was fun and it was tragic all at once. Yeah. Because just before we sort of tie that up, I, I want to sort of go in a little bit more because um, from just from. It was so different then to how, how musicians kind of explode now, like because it was kind of pre-internet, right? Yeah. And yeah. and so this band that didn't really exist yeah. got a, a feature in a magazine. Uh-huh. And nowadays, if you get a feature in a magazine, it's not a massive thing because people don't really read magazines anymore mm. in, in, in the kind of quantity that people were buying Select and the NME and the Melody Maker mm-hmm. and stuff like that then. And how soon was it after that that you appeared on Top of the Pops? <laughs> well, just start. I mean, that thing in Select. So that was, a, oh God, maybe a month or so before we had to do our first gig in front of about forty-five industry people from different record Bloody companies. Hell. So how, how so we we just we, we just talked to people, just talked and talked and talked to people about this band that we were in, and it was we, it was fucking ace. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah, isn't it? We just went round the 
mainly Chris. You could just you could get Chris drunk, wind him up, point him in a direction, <laughs> and he would go off and he would talk to anyone about it. Literally, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was something to behold. And all that I had to do was stand there and just smolder. Yeah, you know? smolder. And, yeah. and, and all Stuart had to do was kind of look cool. Yeah. And and people people just you become in the sixties they called it faces. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then it go you know, I think the same exact thing happened with the small faces. Yeah. Pretty much. Exactly the same story, pretty much, except they could play. Um, so you what I'm saying, like, <laughs> but behind this kind of facade that you're this band, yeah. are you shitting yourself Absolutely thinking we need to write some fucking God. songs? We were shitting ourselves two weeks before our first gig. How many songs did you have? Um, at that point, two. <laughs> how long, Seriously. How, how long do you think the gig was going to go on for? We just didn't know what was going to happen. Think we didn't have a clue. We didn't have a clue what was going to happen. That's, just going, that's going fucking to amazing. We are going to fucking do this anyway, which I think was part of our... our the attraction to us is that fuck me, look at these guys. Yeah, um, that is blagging it at yeah, a high yeah, end. Yeah, that's black belt blagging. It was a big blag. Yeah, it was, it was high karate <laughs> blag. It was, it was proper blag. It was, it was just a lot of. I mean, it wasn't like people might think we were like resting easy. It was a, actually we had. It, it was still kind of work. Yeah, we had we were had to be out and make sure we were at places literally all the time. Um, and so once you, you, I mean, you, you it was, we, were, we were thinking about it. we were ruthless us, us three there we were ruthless in what we did we targeted people from record companies and we were ruthless that's networking though isn't it it's just mm. you, you, just, yeah, you were just late, you, you had the latent skill that many many bands who tour and do it for years yeah. never 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 ever ever get that there skill set there are different ways of doing it yeah. Yeah. there are different ways of doing definitely. it definitely um, it's not always one way um but I do still think you have to have, at the end of the day, the tunes to back it up. People sure. are just going to laugh at you. And the, th- and the thing well, is... Well, they, they did, but... Yeah, but... <laughs> I managed some air, which yeah. was obviously one of the two songs that you'd, you no, had. Yeah. No, oh, no. Oh, it wasn't? No, no. Um, two weeks before the first gig, Todd's off with one of his bands, Todd Parmenter, yep. who was drummed for us in one rehearsal, mm-hmm. um, which we just did Daydream over again for about five times and then went home, because that's, you know... Dedication. <laughs> uh, he was off with one of his. He was in so many bands, mm. um, and we just, so we didn't really have a drummer. We really needed a drummer who, in two weeks, could come in and learn our two songs that we had. Um, so we found through a girlfriend of mine at the time. We found Matt. She gave me Matt's number, and I was really cacking it. I thought we were just going to be. It was we were fucked, and everyone yeah. would just laugh, or we wouldn't end up doing the gig. Yeah, mm. it'd just be like that. Um, but uh, Matt came in he looked right he looked perfect he seemed like a really nice guy you know he's got a he's, he's, he's very um, affable perfect for the job he does now mm-hmm. um, so and we needed someone it, I mean it could have been mm. anyone it could have been a scarecrow could have walked mm. in and would have gone please take this job I actually said to him do you want to do it instead of um, you know him, you know, I actually Probably I begged him. Yeah. Um, and then this guy who was saying he would manage us at the time, who actually ran the biggest club in London at the time called Smashing, which was at Eves on Oxford Street. Who was that? A guy called Adrian Webb. Okay. And he was big on that club scene. He knew a lot of people. So it was wise to get someone in like that to 
managers, even though he had no experience and, to be honest, mm. didn't know what he was doing from then on. Yeah. And that was a big mistake. But, to be fair, it got us into that club playing to all those people as well, as well as our blagging. Mm. It, it was part of the, the jigsaw. Um, but we, we, we only had, I think, we, it's, we had Daydreamer pretty much in its finished form. Um, I can't remember what the other song was. I think it was just something really... I think I'm, I'm starting to think maybe we only had one song. At okay. that point, brilliant. With maybe two weeks to go. You've, ri- you've, weeks. Ri- you've written that check with your mouth, yeah. and now you're thinking, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you backed it up. Like you ended up no, making it happen. Like, fuck. Um, yeah, because then I, I just remember we, we might have had something else, but maybe it wasn't good enough. Um, and so Chris had met Simon in a pub. Simon had seen us in Select like you did. Yeah. And had come to London to go to. University made his way straight to the mixer, yeah, and started talking That's to Chris. That's a good Chris. mixer in Camden, so he knew what he was yeah. doing as well. Um, and so he had songs, he had some more songs, so he was in the band, right? <laughs> Done, and he added a bit more to the songs we had, yeah. So then I think we had four songs. Quadruple drought, but there, that's a good day, no, and that's what we did. We went out. We, everyone, they were kept waiting for ages. The, I think they overpacked it. They let as many people as in as they could and then the, my manager cleverly turned record companies away at Brilliant. the door, um, including Andy Ross from Food Records, who was not impressed. Yeah. He was um, the king of Camden at that yeah, point, he wasn't he? Un, he was not impressed from yeah. what I heard. And I, it wasn't nothing to do with me, but it was still quite a good move because mm. it just looks good. Yeah. Even though it... Was actually majorly wanky and <laughs> yeah. slapped us back in the face later yeah. on, really, yeah. um, which a lot of things did. Uh, yeah, this is this is getting boring now. No, no, so no, no. So we waited no, for ages, ages and ages, letting everyone drink because you know my reckoning was the drunker they are, the easier this is going to be. Yeah, um, I'd only ever done. We did a secret gig before. I'd never done a gig before. Right. Proper gig ever in my life. That's some That's serious fucking pressure, pressure isn't it? So many people were proper gig. I'd never done it. I had no idea whether I was going to be able to do it. Um, so I'm I'm just trying to get myself already and, and hyped up because I'm like thinking, would I be able to actually do this? Matt goes and has a poo in the cellar <laughs> of Eve's because the toilet's outside and none of us want to go out there because yeah. it's just packed mm. and we'll just probably crap ourselves. Mm. And we just came out. And just did it. Four songs, bang, 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 and off. But off we went, and that started. That was it. That started the actual record company chase, like a, like a gold rush. It was stupid. And then, but this, the the four songs, the set went well. Yeah, we had we had because a lot of friends came, um, and we kind of created our own little yeah. It had a vibe, little scene yeah. and vibe around ourselves. We had already played that daydreamer and yeah. Read the li- I'd read the lyrics to people and friends. So that we had our first gig, people at the front singing Daydreamer. Right. Exactly. No our wonder. very first gig. No wonder like A&R were biting, no, well, biting it's, you. It's pretty, I mean, it, it couldn't have all sort of worked better. And then what we went and did is just completely fucked it all up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get on to that shortly. <laughs> shortly. Mm, we're about, so. we've, we've done about um, about 45 minutes. Oh. So I think we should do it number three. Yeah. Um, but that's, that was a good way to leave it. 
to pick up after after number three. Um, yeah, so who's your number three then, Johnny? Uh, number three is Station to Station from Station to Station, yep. 1976. Um, recorded in 75 at the height of Bowie's coke addiction um, when he was absolutely loopy, mental. He says himself he was absolutely away with the fairies during that whole thing. Living so on peppers so, and milk, apparently. Yeah, yeah, and so, so out of his tits, he cannot remember recording any of that Station to Station <laughs> album, right. any of the sessions, none of it, and yet... That song's me, 10 minutes long, isn't it? Yeah, it's the, <laughs> longest, it's the longest song. I think it's 10 minutes, yeah. Yeah. 13, 14 yeah. seconds. It's the longest Bowie song. Uh, which, <laughs> you can't you know, remember it. Um, and you can't remember the whole album, recording the whole album's yeah. golden years, or TVC... Um, all of them. Yeah. He can't remember that session, and yet it's to me one of his standout albums. Was that was that one of the first of Eno? I think so. Yeah. I yeah. think Eno was yeah. on that. I, f- I mean, I, I, he wouldn't know. Yeah. Was Eno there, David? Yeah, 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 I don't yeah. know. That's <laughs> <laughs> <I was> fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was like kind of the first where where the kind of the crowd rock influence was, yeah. was was quite apparent in this. I think Kraftwerk were probably mm, making music right. now and. And I think that kind of... I, I think it's a really weird transitional period for him. Um, he was obviously very damaged. His life was going really badly, like his personal life. He was a massive drug addict. I mean, he was so open. I found this out yesterday. He was so open about his um, drug addiction and how much he loved cocaine that the record mirror at the time used to call him old vacuum cleaner nose. <laughs> That's what they used to call Jesus Bowie, Christ. the record mirror, which is like the one of the biggest. That was one of the biggest music yeah, yeah. publications. That's then. what they called Bowie. He was so fucked. I mean, his teeth were completely destroyed. I mean, he's lucky, and uh, he was still in California when he did this album. Yeah. Um, I think it is, the, I, and I do believe that it was at, right at this period that someone, one of his friends, might have said to him. I can't be bothered with you anymore. You're going to die, so fuck you. Yeah. And he just went, holy shit, um, and, and just ran away to Berlin to clean That's up. That's right, yeah. Um, with Iggy Pop. Sort you right up. Oh, no. Like, no, I need to get clean. Who should I take with me? <laughs> Iggy. Iggy. Just what a doctor ordered. <laughs> Put that syringe away, son. <laughs> Trip no. to Berlin. Yeah, Berlin as well, and the Reeperbahn. Amazing. I mean, it's heroin city. But um, there must have been drawings to because of kind of what was going on with with craftwork and and, and that yeah. whole kind of synth kind of glacial synth. There's no mm. doubt you'd have been listening to yeah. that kind of thing. Um, and he was friends with people like Eno, and I'm sure they would yeah. have turned oh, him on definitely, to, to stuff definitely. like that. Uh, but yeah, that's a very. It's the song itself is is it's mental. Mm. Station to station is completely balmy. The first time I heard it. it blew my brain it absolutely amazed me it's like uh, three different songs it's just really weird it's got that five five for five minutes it just has that dum 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 and it's just like that for basically the first five minutes with him just singing all this crazy Alistair Crowley um, Kabbalah stuff which he was heavily into in the occult you know keep from Kiefer to Malchus and stuff I mean it's insane it sounds like the ramblings of a coke addict Mm. um and then, uh, yeah, at five twenty, it just suddenly goes loopy and turns into a like a funky disco track, doesn't it? It goes mm. suddenly, it goes four to the floor, yep. mm. um, and 
I mean, I'm not really much that wiser about what he sings about then, and I'm not sure if he is yeah. or was. Clearly um, not. But then what got me about this song and why I love it, and one of the main reasons I love it so much, it's not just that it's on probably one of my favourite albums that he did, and not just that it's really left field. I mean, it's completely out there. No one was a, who, who was a huge rock star like him had done something like this, I don't think. Yeah. Not, not this mental. Um the, the, the line, the best line I've ever, ever heard, ever, I think, in any rock song ever, comes in at 6.05, where he says, it's not the side effects of the cocaine, I'm thinking that it must be love. And I just, as soon as well, I heard that for the first time, I was sold. Yeah, I was yeah. like, you, you motherfucker, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. What a line yeah, to just incredible. then suddenly throw in on this biggest coke song yeah. ever yeah. made. I mean, it is like, it's like, um, I'm, not so, I'm, not, I'm not sure if your, reader, your readers, your listeners have taken a lot of cocaine. Mm. But They're all strung out yeah. on it still, yeah. <laughs> well, We serve half of them. Well, it's like that song. When you're really strung yeah. out, it sounds like that song. That song, the, the beginning with the train and the weird, it's Carlos Alomar with the guitar, yeah. the really weird noises, um, like dolphins and whales and mm-hmm. stuff. It's mm-hmm. just so weird. It sounds like if you're losing it on cocaine. And I love it. I don't so, love being so, fucked so, up on cocaine. Do you, yeah, do you yeah. think I then love, that he would that, that he's captured it yeah, yeah, yeah. perfectly? Do you think he'd have done that record? He'd have been able to make that if he wasn't in the situation he was in. No way. No. No way. He, he would. He just wouldn't have been able to. I, I think, I think it was. It must have been incredibly intense. You mm. can hear it on the record, but it's tight as fuck. Mm. It's so tight. It's in. It's oh, It's it, that whole album is just remarkable. Mm. But yeah, it's remarkable. Other bands go that way, and they can't when they get get on that sort of level. They can't actually continue to make decent yeah, music, yeah, and he's managed to hold it together. He he just manages to make something even better. Yeah, you know, and new, kind of new as well, like how he would adopt different styles but make them his own, like on Young Americans when yeah. he became yeah. a soul man. You know, and 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 the, and the first, I think, it might be the first white artist to appear on Soul Train. Soul Train, yeah. Like, was he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's great footage of it on YouTube. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's fame and golden years, I think. He's on golden years on, on Soul Train. Share to a song. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Didn't uh, really, really good. That's incredible. He's doing. He's really. Yeah, he's got his groove on. Moves as well. Yeah. Like rubber legs. Oh, he can move. Unbelievable. Yeah, it looks wicked. He's and he just looks so good. I mean, this is the thin white Duke period as well. Yeah. Which he will. He often would say later on, even not long before he died, was a really nasty character. Awful character, A really yeah. nasty person. He was like this proto... Well, he was, an, he was like a Nazi. He was yeah. like this real Aryan right-wing vision mm. of, you know... He just looked... He, he looked like a bit of a cunt. Yeah. But cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Did he I think it's my favourite. I mean, he, apart from the fact that he was apparently, and he says himself, he was a horrible person then. Yeah. He just looks so cool. He looks so he cool. He always looks so cool. The, it's, it would that be particularly the yeah. greased back hair. It looks yeah. like he's walked out of a film noir. The way he's yeah, been. definitely. It's like he stole the wardrobe from yeah. um, the man who fell to earth. You definitely. Know? Yeah, it looks yeah. very, very nineteen forties. He just looks. He does look like a Nazi. Yep. <laughs> he's the, the, a cool, really yeah. cool Nazi who who likes good music. <laughs> <laughs> And has an iconic look. His eyes, just yeah. that dilated well, yeah, pupil. Yeah, that, from, yeah. It was from a fight, wasn't it? Yeah. From a yeah, mate over friend, a bird. His best friend like 15. punched him in the eye. <laughs> nearly, got, he nearly went blind. Yeah, instead. 
You wouldn't get like that. See, if I got punched in the eye, I'd just look even worse than I already look. No, that you could look even cooler. You could get him any closer together, mate. I don't know if Bowie was real. Sometimes I think we are in the Matrix. You reckon? Yeah, and he could be the proof because the whole thing's too. It's just too perfect. Yeah, you can't be. No one should be able to be that. That that spot on. Someone's taking a piss. Yeah. I think all the call went to him and the rest of us are just fucked. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So. Going back to you and, and away from Bo for a little oh, bit. Oh, fucking hell. I'm like. bored. I'm such a... I'm, I'm so, I don't, it's boring. I'm a boring yeah. man. Oh, not like it was in my day. But it's, it's, I feel like that creme brulee guy. Yeah, it's a shit business. Yeah. <laughs> shit business. <laughs> but it's a, For me, that was kind of a, an interesting time in music to, 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 to watch what was going on there. And... and just because I kind of knew Chris, I was like, "Oh, I know that guy," yeah. and 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 I used to go to the mixer and kind of hang around, and because anyone that was in a band would go there and hang around, hoping to see the likes of Andy Ross and things like that, and give him a demo, and yeah, and there was, it was, it a was flood, flooded. And, uh, but but what you done was was to get noticed and create something before it actually really existed. Mm. It's fucking incredible, and you know, like that, that doesn't really happen. Do you know what I mean? I Certainly I, not now. I don't think it'd be possible to do it anymore. Exactly. Could, one because the because the record companies wouldn't be prepared to take that risk. Yeah. They haven't got the money. The cash in the nineties yeah, was stupid. Changed. Yeah. They were ma- they 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 had, they were at their height. They were making money from remasters on yeah. CD, as well as the CD version yeah. in the first place, and then do it again with extras on. Yeah. You yeah. know, and they were just cashing in on that. It was like they knew there was going to be a crash. Yeah. They like they, it really is weird. They just cashed in on everything two cd singles yep. you know where you had the one the one week then they'd release yep. the same thing the next week with a different b-side yep. that you put in the same blister pack but your, your oh, vinyl was amazing yeah, though wasn't were, it it was a great time was, to collect they were tracks. just totally milking it yeah, yeah yeah so how, how involved were you within the branding of like the sleeves and stuff because because oh, it was it had a brand didn't it yeah, yeah. Like, and, and it was yeah. consistent and everything and, was really for and all your, all your your seven inch singles kind of come in little plastic sleeves and and they all gatefold. Yeah. 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 And and uh, was there a coloured vinyl in there? No, but it should have been. Yeah. No, I don't Note think to self, should have, no should, one, should no have done that. Them. Like but that. yeah, um, obviously I'd been to art school. Yeah. And done graphics. Matt was studying graphics at Middlesex University when he joined the band, so we were both very um, clued up on that on design, and. As soon as London Records came in with their in-house design team, we're like, no, we don't want you. We want Styler Rouge, who mm. did, did all the blur stuff. Yep. Um, um, and we were, we, we have to have them. And it has to be the same. It has to be uniformed. It has mm-hmm. to, you know, have a very glossy look. You know, just very much this attention to detail thing. Yeah. Maybe in the back of our minds, we were trying to dress up a, a turd. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but we, we, I was very conscious about the way everything looked. And yeah. That could also be down as well to my to being autistic. Yeah. I, I like things to be done a certain the way. I like details. I, I, I'll obsess on details. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the work they did on these singles from the first album, I think, is brilliant. And yeah. some of the best packaging for the for the uh, actual vinyl yeah ones that I, I saw during that whole era some really good stuff yeah really great detail uh, i used to love going into meetings with them in fact if you know the sleeping in single yeah the old radio yep. 60s radio on the front cover that's my radio 
um, and I bought that with some money the NME gave me to do a uh, thing in their student. They used to do a student pull-out. Yeah, yeah. Right. And there was one where they gave me and Stuart like a fiver and told us to kit out our flat in the student way. And I just walked into this old antique shop and saw that radio really cheap and just said, oh, I'll get that. You need some music, even though it's 60s and you would yeah. go to plug it in. Yeah. But it's it's such a lovely radio, an object. Yeah. Um, when you kitted it out for the NME, did you put uh, a bunch of Michael Jackson faces? Yeah. <laughs> no, actually a, there was actually a, we got a big poster from the Stuart's sister, Nick from a tube, that she ripped off the wall of Star right. Trek because I was into Star Trek yeah. Next Generation. It had all like some tramp had pissed up one corner of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually on the wall behind us in the feature. Oh, and, right. and the rest of the money we spent on Stella's. <laughs> we, we actually filled the fridge in our house with Stellas. All oh, right. We, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Johnny Cigarettes or someone. But we just filled the. He said, "We said, well, you know, we've got a radio, we've got a poster, we've got pot noodles. Yeah. Let's just get loads of beer. It's pretty and, and then we got drunk. Right. Yeah. And that was that. That was a really good feature. Yeah. So Brilliant. for. And, and so, it, like I say, you, you you was on top of the pops. Quickly, wasn't you? We we hold the record for yeah. being on that before releasing anything. Yeah, so it's wow. BBC Television history. Yeah, which and is the one thing I'm really proud of. That's cool. And and for someone that grew up watching being it, obsessed yeah. with pop and watching the only TV show you could ever, mm. you know, the, the 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 daddy of of you know music television, it must have felt fucking incredible. Um, the first time we did that. Again, there's another story. London Records were very well connected. Um, and they had a lot of money from bands like E17 and stuff who were doing really well then. So they were kind of rolling in money. And they were very well connected with all these, these various outlets, Top of the Pops, the BBC. You know, they, they were really good at that. Um, probably too good because we were on fucking everything. On like every, you know, it was, you couldn't get away from us in 1995. And I'm, I absolutely can empathise with anyone who hated us because of that, because we were everywhere. Mm. But yeah, they knew, and they knew the uh, guy was it Rick Blacksill who was producing it at the time. And uh, when they first went to where it was, where they filmed EastEnders out there. Uh, it's called Albert Square. <laughs> no, yeah. the actual studio. Someone know Elstree. Yeah. Elstree, yeah. Elstree. Yeah, that that's when Top of the Pops first went to Elstree. Um, rather than being at BBC Centre. Mm -hmm. So they had got this brand spanking new set ready and built. And they're all sat there, the producers going, oh, you know what we need to do? We need to go run, run through all the cameras on every single stage, but we need a band to come in and just test run this whole studio for us. You know, who can we think, who can we bring in? Who's a hot band at the Perfect. moment? Menswear. So we actually were the band who came in on the first band on every single one of those stages. And went through a, one of our four songs on each stage <laughs> <laughs> for them to film, so they could get used to how it went, all the cameramen and the really yeah yeah. Um, so we kind of did them a big favour. So in a way, they kind of returned it by Blacksill putting us on there. He used to like making these bold moves and statements, and he was kind of he apparently really dug the band. He, he loved the whole thing, and he'd come to see us play a, a, a little gig, and he was like, yeah. I mean, I'm going to put these guys on like, before they've even released a record. But that, I mean, uh, you know, it, that's a bold move, isn't it? For, for, they for, dad, for, by the way, tried to steal this. They did, didn't they? But it's, no, we beat them to it. Yeah. Another London band, but we, yeah, we beat them to that. Yeah. yeah saying that you, you know, you, you were everywhere at yeah. that point, mm -hmm. 
what? I mean, how did that feel? I was worried. Yeah. I was I was really worried about it at the time. I thought I thought it was too much. Um, I saw Matt last time, maybe about eight years ago, and we were talking. He said, you know, I was the one who always, always, always said that we shouldn't be doing everything, we shouldn't be doing that, we should say fuck off to more things. You're not a good band unless you can start saying fuck off to stuff. And if you start saying, yeah, I'm going to do this, yeah, I'll do that, yeah, I'll do this, and take, you know, everything you can, you end up looking like, you, you end up, it's overkill, it's oversaturation. Yeah, dilute yourself. And yeah, and you look, it's just, it looks desperate to me. And mm. I, I was just really worried that we, it was overkill. But I think we were very young and there was the idea, oh, it might not, it might not last for very long or you never know what's going to happen. Uh, and, you know, you don't get paid for any of those things if people and think it, like it, you just you, go and do them. Yeah. And you, I take it at this point, drinking drugs is, is kicked in as well. That you'd started, it was everyone By that partying. point, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if a band was born out of a fucked up night on cocaine, it was menswear. Yeah. Definitely. That's kind of cool. I mean, it was ex- it was really exciting. Mm. I think it was exciting for young kids at the time to watch who weren't living in London, who yeah. were living in, you know, counties like like Essex or yeah. even further out from London. It's kind of exciting, especially in the south because the north had its own scene yeah. really mm. that was kind of clinked onto the yeah. Britpop thing, even though it really wasn't and preceded Definitely. it. But yeah, I mean, I was just worried. I thought it was over the top. I thought we were on we were on covers of stuff all the time. It was, I thought it was fucking stupid. Mm. We were just saying the same things again and again and again and again in the, in, in different interviews. Um, how long can you do that for? It's really before weird though, though, one you go mental and get disillusioned, yeah. and two just think, well, people fucking hate us. Repetition though. I mean, there's that artist, you know, the street artist, the Bay. He he was always fascinated by, by the idea of repetition in his artwork. And that's why that, that picture of Andre the Giant has, has made him so big. Because all he would do is that same image in every city he, he visited. Right. So it kind of, you, you do, repetition is known to work in, in branding, marketing and whatnot. In, I think in, in, in that way, yeah. But that's, that's, uh, that's something completely different. I don't think you can do that with uh, a band that, is in the enemy and is meant to be a guitar band. You know, people right. didn't trust us. Yeah. They didn't trust us. And, and, and I get it. Journalists are very distrustful of bands that suddenly come out of nowhere without their input because usually mm. journalists are the ones who make the scenes. Back then they did. Not now, but back then mm. they did. They made the scenes. So they're, they, they're very distrustful of a band that comes out of nowhere, knows everybody, literally knows everybody, and, and is uh, just cocky as fuck yeah doesn't really walks onto the front cover of the publications they work for is really good looking it's like they're just thinking <laughs> <laughs> they're just thinking you know, well they're, they're fast tracked like, it yeah, yeah they just think they're, they're suspicious cheated. they're like what's yeah. going on here yeah. is this some kind of record company thing you know yeah. some somebody once said jokingly but i kind of thought maybe they meant it that we were all we were made up by bill drummond the klf oh. we were like a project of theirs oh, to fuck great. over the yeah. music industry yeah um which, which I really like. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd roll with that one. And yeah. I'd go with that and yeah. I'd take that. Yeah, we did. Because <laughs> we did come, we did take them on. Yeah. We took them on and we had them fawning. Yeah. And then later on that, you know, obviously that slapped us in the face because mm. you can't so do before, that. Before we get to kind of how the band weighing down and, 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 and what, you're, what you're doing now, should we get your... Where, where, where are we at? You want number two, mate? Yeah. Need a number two. 
Well, that was good, wasn't it? It was pretty smashing. Yep. Um, I, I didn't really know um, what to expect because as much as we'd, we'd kind of lived in the same area and, and he'd frequented some of the same places as, as me growing up, never actually met Johnny until um, that night. I knew mm. a few of the other lads in the band. And um, as you can see, he's... Um, You'd never he's, met him clothed. No, no, no. But as you can tell, he's um, he's a, he's a really nice gent. And um, yeah, and so it won't be long until we put part two out. So uh, subscribe and it will pop up in your inbox. Unannounced. Peace. Bye. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present Our Core Listing, the podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.